Good evening. We're reading tonight in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. I don't know if you noticed, but verses 11 to 14 are one beautiful sentence about the gospel, the Christian faith, and the blessed hope. And these verses are regarded as one of the great theological statements in the Bible. Our faith is steadfast in Jesus Christ, whose victory over sin and death was proclaimed in his resurrection and who has entered into heaven and is coming again, the blessed hope that we read of, to call all believers to be with him in his Father's house in heaven. So these verses are New Testament landmarks for salvation and eternal hope. And they offer the assurance we seek in what Paul refers to as our present age. I went into a church recently, in Malta, and looked at the open page of the written prayer requests from people, and two entries held my attention. One said, pray for my unknown grandson. And the other one said, pray that the youth of today would find faith. These entries are symbolic of the cry from broken families today, and the cry for a broken society that needs hope. In our text here, Paul is like a seaman, securely fastening a rope to a double bollard on the deck of a ship to hold it firmly at anchor. These verses identify two appearances, like the two arms of the bollard. The appearing of grace verse 11, and the appearing of glory in verse 13. And Paul binds them together with the power of grace in our Christian life and in salvation in verses 12 and 14. The stability found in these verses. So he begins in verse 11, 4. And here comes the foundation for all that Paul has already written. For the grace of God has appeared that brings salvation to all people. The first appearing, the appearing of grace. And the beams of grace shine with salvation upon all men. Such good news. Because for everyone, the law only brought condemnation. 
but grace is bringing salvation. All have sinned, the Bible says, that is all without exception. But grace appeared and brings salvation to all men, all classes, all races, that is all without distinction. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for the Savior of the world is come. Grace was hidden in the eternal counsels of God. Yet we can say that it twinkled throughout the Old Testament with people longing for it. The Lord make his face shine upon us. You see, they're pleading for it until it suddenly bursts in its brilliance onto the New Testament scene, carrying salvation to all men. The appearing of grace. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, when he proclaimed the coming of the Lord and the coming of grace, he said this, as the rising sun which will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. And Simeon, he proclaimed in the temple as he took the child Jesus in his arms, my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That first appearing, the appearing of grace burst into this dark world and people sitting in darkness saw a great light. Christmas is based on a historical reality. The incarnation. God becoming man. For God sent his son as saviour of the world. And grace became incarnate in Christ to bring salvation. Grace Grace that bends down to where we are. The infinite became so finite that he was held in arms. So near that the shepherds saw him in a manger. God's grace is different like his love is different. No sinner is beyond the reach of God's grace. For where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. We are saved by grace. Jesus came that you might be saved and your life might be changed eternally. Is it? Consider your eternal future before we go much further. Your eternal future. It's either heaven with Jesus or eternal separation in hell. If you think you will make it to heaven without Jesus, you won't. You need the Savior. I saw the need of the Savior. And I will go to heaven because I now belong to Jesus. That is a wonderful grace of God in my life. Now the first appearing of grace covers many events. The incarnation, 
the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, the preaching of the gospel of grace and salvation through the ages. And it saw the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Isaiah wrote, born of a virgin. Amos wrote, born in Bethlehem. Daniel wrote the exact time he would be born. Zechariah wrote he would ride on a donkey into Jerusalem, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah wrote that he would be despised and rejected, that he would bear the sins of many, that he would be pierced for our transgressions. David wrote many things, even to the detail that they cast lots for his garments. All that came to pass inexhaustible truths in this first appearing. But when we come to verse 12, grace is our tutor, teaching us what to avoid and what to do in the experiences of life. Teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly behaviors so that we live differently for others, showing we belong to Jesus. For although we are provided with sufficient grace for every day, we need Christ living in us every day. We say no to some things, and we say yes to self-control, to God's will, and to God himself. We live wisely, righteously towards others, and honor God by walking in that newness of life that grace gives us, For grace does not just shine around us. It shines into our hearts and then out from us that you and I show an example to others. That is leadership in grace. Don't fall short of enjoying God's grace in your life. Spurgeon said many of us do. With hardly enough grace to float into heaven, the keel of our vessel grating on the gravel all the way. Hmm. He used some amazing language at times, but it's so true. You see, God's grace is more than God's unmerited favor because that can be left on the shelf of our lives and never appreciated day by day. Grace is more, far more. We should enjoy it. We should be thrilled by the journey of grace in our life from its start when you first trusted in Jesus as Savior to its finish in glory when you're with the Savior. Christ who came the first time, the first appearing, to deal with sin, was offered once to bear the sins of many. It happened at the cross. But he will appear a second time Not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. For what grace began, grace shall crown with glory. So in verse 13, believers wait expectantly for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I stood in an airport not long ago and there was a crowd gathering at the arrivals door for someone to return. They were all different. Some were old, some were young. 
Some had banners, some had whistles, some had flags, but they were all waiting excitedly, jostling for the first glimpse to greet the same person. If their excitement was like that, just to see somebody coming through an airport arrivals door, what should our excitement be if we're waiting for Christ to appear from the heavens? This blessed hope, this waiting for Christ is like that. Because if in this, then if in this life we only have hope, as the scripture says, we're the most miserable of all men. But faith and hope reach to the other shore. The old song says, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, and the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Our hope is Christ himself. And incredibly, we who were once in this world without hope are now looking for the blessed hope with the full assurance of hope based on grace and the gospel. Now, just as the first appearing was in several parts, spanning several years, we might say, so will be the second appearing. For believers, how will this happen? Why do I choose believers? Because you and I are believers but also because this verse is about the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I want to read some verses to you from 1 Corinthians 15. Can you put them up on the screen? Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Can you put up the next one from 1 Thessalonians? Thanks. When will all that happen? For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with 
the Lord forever. The Lord himself will come for us. The dead in Christ will rise. There will be the reunification of the soul and body. These are wonderful, amazing things that are going to happen. The living, if we are the living on that day, we shall be changed. The perishable puts on the imperishable. The corruptible puts on incorruptibility. And we are out of here, caught up to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. That moment of realization, as I am caught up to meet him in the air, Now walk with me in this. As I am caught up to meet him in the air, to be with him, and I suddenly realize, and you will suddenly realize, that I am really blessed by believing in Jesus. I'm with him. I'm not condemned. I am justified. More than that, I am now glorified. I am like him. I shall see Jesus. I shall see him move. I shall hear him speak. I shall see multitudes around me, but I am not lost in the crowd, for I shall know as I am known. I shall see things face to face. I will enjoy a connectivity that surpasses mobile phones and networks. I enjoy the fullness of friendship and fellowship. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you will see him too, and you will smile at that moment. I am here, really here. And it happened so quickly. In the twinkling of an eye, we all arrived. For the omniscience of Jesus knows all the redeemed, and not one is missing. And with his omnipotence, he has raised all those asleep in Jesus. And he's taken us all to heaven to meet him. This is the blessed hope for the dead in Christ for us living believers, for the church, for all who have died in faith. And this, is, this hope is yours. You're a child of God, begotten through new birth and faith in Jesus. The second coming is the completion of Christ's saving work for his people. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Because our citizenship, the Bible tells us, is in heaven, from whence we await our Savior, who shall change this present body to be like his body of glory. It's wonderful. Our souls redeemed, our bodies glorified, the glory of heaven surrounding us, the praise of Christ filling the conference hall of heaven. Wow. You know, Rod read Revelation 7, few moments ago. And it's a great gathering together from different families and the church and even angels are there. And we all join together in worship. And one lot says, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then there's this other lot from another part of the great conference hall of heaven who respond with a resounding, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen.
What a place it's going to be. And we're going to be there. We're going to be in the midst of it with Jesus. Aren't you glad he's your saviour? Aren't you glad you have a certain hope and a sure future? Jim Elliot wrote, Walk as if the next step would carry you across the threshold of heaven. Wow. Another wrote, I can almost hear his footfall on the threshold of the door, and my heart is longing to be with him evermore. And King David said, There is but a step between me and death. But for us believers today, there is but a step between us and heaven. Verse 14. Jesus who comes for us is the one who gave himself for us. That was pure grace. We are redeemed, bought with a price that's never to be paid again. Jesus, the redeemer of his people and the propitiation and the sacrifice to God who purifies us as a people for himself who are now eager to do what is good. A people that are his very own. A treasured possession that Christ loves. The pearl of great price he purchased with his blood. A people different on earth because they are now destined for heaven. His church, his bride, which he will present to himself glorious at his coming again. As I said, what grace began in the first coming, grace shall crown with glory at the second coming. Look back. Christ reigned from the cross. And look forward and you see Christ reigning in glory. This is the hope of the believer. But there are many events that form part of the second coming. When Christ comes with power and great glory, as it says. When every eye shall see him. And God's word speaks of a time of tribulation in this world. Of the marriage celebration of the Lamb. Of the battle of Armageddon. Of a time when Christ appears riding on a white horse. King of kings and Lord of lords. And accompanied by his saints clothed in white garments. Of a first resurrection and a second resurrection. Of a thousand years of peace. Of Satan being cast into the lake of fire of a great white throne, of a holy city, of a new heavens and a new earth. And moreover, all these things are linked to Scripture in the Old Testament. From Daniel, speaking of 70 weeks. Isaiah, speaking of the Lord treading the winepress of the wrath of God. Of Zechariah, speaking of the Lord standing on the Mount of Olives and it splitting in two just as there were separate events that happened in the first coming, so there will be separate events in the second coming. What a fascinating study. I don't know if any of you heard it, but there was a war veteran who was interviewed on television at the end of last week. And he was asked what message he would give young people today. And he said this, I served my sovereign, King George VI, And he always had a day of prayer. I think we need a month of prayer to thank God. Instead of greed and hate, 
They need to love one another. Because love is stronger than death. And Jesus is coming back. And the book of Revelation says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe it. That was some testimony. Yeah, they couldn't stop him. Except by saying, we've run out of time. And he went on and on. Quite remarkable. A powerful personal testimony. But there is the last verse, verse 15. Which said, These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Titus is exhorted by Paul. Be what you preach, Titus. That applies to us all, and that is, at the end of the day, true leadership. Although there are different views of where everything fits in the prophetic calendar, it will not be to our credit at the judgment seat of Christ to realize we had not spoken very much about the second coming of Christ and not encouraged each other to eagerly await his second coming. Perhaps you thought nothing could happen until you die. Or maybe you've heard about Jesus coming back, but it's just lain forgotten on the shelf of your mind. But I trust we will all be encouraged to look expectantly for Jesus coming for us. If you never believe the gospel of salvation in Jesus... These are things you need to consider. Paul exhorts Titus, these then are the things you should teach. We need to preach and continue to preach the gospel of the grace of God and we need to continue to teach about the glorious second coming of Christ. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That we might truly be leaders in grace and in truth encouraging and rebuking with biblical authority that no one may despise us. Brothers and sisters, we have exciting and wonderful times to look forward to, but let us make the best of the time that remains to us as we await the coming of our Lord Jesus.